This is a kick in the grass with Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome in to a kick in the grass. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, the newest show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network, uh, following the biggest news in world football. Uh, from uh, from a fan's point of view, I guess. I mean, we've been covering uh, the game for enough years between us, Jeff. But uh, it's just good to have football back and uh, and good to to get back to being a fan. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because I kind of I kind of came to football in high school as a fan and then started to play it. And um, it's funny, Dan, because one of the reasons I really like football so much is when you do a talk show in Canada as we do. I mean, I can remember starting out, I, no one ever wanted to talk soccer. So I thought, this is great. I could watch football, and I'm going to apologize using the terms, uh, you know, <laughs> using the going back and forth between the terms here. But I thought, this is great, because I can watch football, and I don't have to worry about some guy calling me up Monday morning. And it's great. It's my, it was my little sort of refuge from worrying about the Leafs' third-line center or, you know, who was going to get the final bullpen spot for the Blue Jays. But it's great because now it is the growth sport in Canada, along with basketball, and we can talk about it. And we got guys in the Bundesliga, and we've got guys who are being talked about in the transfer market, and we've got a domestic league that really seems to have its act together. And, of course, we've got MLS teams across the country. It's, uh, it, it's a great time for the sport, and it's a great time. It's a great time to have a radio show about it, to be honest. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Uh, we want you guys to have some fun with us as well. Uh, today on the show, uh, Paul Stalteri, Bundesliga champion, Canadian international, will be joining us in a few minutes' time. And Christian Falk, uh, the head of football at Build Sports, uh, will be joining us on some of the reactions out of Germany on, uh, on the Bundesliga's return. And uh, it was... Jeff, it was brilliant. I mean, I'm so used to waking up Saturday mornings and hmm. and flipping on a game, and I can't tell you how that normalcy, how much that normalcy meant to me on Saturday morning to to make my espresso and flip on the game, uh, 6:30 a.m. here on the West Coast, and uh, it just, you know, it, it it brought back some normalcy to my life, and I, I loved every second of it, even if it wasn't what I'm normal, what I'm used to seeing necessarily when I do that normally yeah i mean you know as someone who's who spent some time in his youth living around dortmund um i mean that's my club and uh you know i had the i had the i had the hat on watching them play Schalke, and yeah the atmosphere obviously wasn't there and so much of the bundesliga is about atmosphere but i have to tell you dan i watched almost every match in the weekend and i and you know what i came away feeling reassured i came away thinking that it is possible for a team sport to be played in the pandemic age and yeah they're going to be wrinkles and not everything is going to be the way we want it to be but you know what at the end of the day guys are going to guys are going to go in hard and tackle we saw some amazing finishing we saw finishing that i think we would take at any point in a in a, in a regular season right like i'd take any of those four dortmund goals whether it was in november december january whenever you would take any of those goals so if we operated under the assumption, as I think we did, that this was kind of a, you know, a test tube case for sports coming out of the pandemic era, it, it was remarkably successful. Like I'd give it a nine and a half out of 10. The only thing we need to see now, of course, is the follow-up testing. And that is the big concern here. What if a player 
gets really sick with coronavirus. It's even testing positive. I don't think it'll be that big a deal because the Germans have said, hey, we'll isolate the guy. We'll keep going. But if somebody gets sick, my God, then all bets are off. And that's that's why I think like I wrote today in my article in Sportsnet.ca, the game isn't over until the fat lady tests. It really isn't over until the fat lady tests. Yeah, that's and, and you know we've we've seen the the reaction around Europe like hey uh, in England the papers went from uh, we're we're not ready for the return of football and all of a sudden now they're they're a little bit more on that um, that they could do this it, it did bring a lot of hope but you know until until we know a little bit more the testing coming out of this weekend and and stuff like that it's it's hard to get a better sense of it all but. It did feel like normal football, and 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 you know I, the the last game I watched was uh, Inter and Juventus before the, uh, mm. before the pause, and it, you know it was played in an empty stadium. Uh, I, I've watched many games in my uh, native Italian league that that, <laughs> that end up behind empty stadiums anyway. So like I think I've I've already, I was already preordained to this already, Jeff, to to be used to it. It's just. Um, you know the game. I think more from a playing perspective, I was I was worried about it. Would there be guys shying out of challenges? Um, and and I didn't. I, it didn't feel like that for a second. It never felt for one minute like it was a like it was a preseason match being played in Columbus, Ohio. You know, like it's it was it it felt like it, it felt like the Bundesliga should feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You know, I, one of the things that I'm interested in, Dan, and I, and I was talking to people about this over the weekend who started, who watched the match, and a, and a couple of them weren't, a couple of them aren't soccer fans, but they wanted to watch live sports. And, and it was kind of interesting because I think for the average, for the average or soccer fan or the person with, a, with an above average knowledge of soccer, I think you're okay watching the games behind closed doors. And, you know, and I don't mean that to slight anybody else, but I'm saying you can watch the game for what it is. You understand how immensely talented these players are. The casual fan, I think, is going to miss, and it's this isn't going to hold true just for soccer. This is going to be for every sport. The casual fan, I think, is going to miss the crowd noise, but I think the fans of each particular sport are going to just kind of suck it up and go, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's better than having, in this case, no soccer at all. And, and, you know, that, that's how I feel now. Let's see how I feel five weeks down the road. If there's nothing to play for, you know, if, if, if Bayern beats Dortmund and the championship, the race is practically over. Okay. Let's see how I feel then when you've got a bunch of mid table teams really not playing for anything uh, and no fans in the stands, but yeah, look, I'm, I was happy with what I saw. I, I felt that I was watching Bundesliga soccer. And that's what I wanted to see. I uh, I also have like a, just a, a sheer love of the the sounds of the game. You know, like you could really hear the crisp thumping of a ball on on, on the uh, on a, a solid pass with the inside of the yeah. boot, and um, you know, just the, the sound of a corner kick. Uh, just just simple things like that. I also kind of the ball enjoy, hitting you know, the bar. The ball hitting yeah. the bar is an amazing sound. It really is, and you don't usually get that in the stadium full of fans. But it's an amazing sound. Yeah, and the, the the clapping of of the coaching staff on the sidelines and guys shouting uh, things that were mostly inaudible, but you know we did find out some of the the offside things that were said, like um, uh, Todibo on Schalke uh, telling Holland to go, you know, 
do do something with his grandmother, and then five minutes later, Holland <laughs> ends up scoring a goal. So you know, it, 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 stories like that are are kind of fun to find out about, and. I, th- I think that's going to be a, a little bit of the, the the positive that comes out of it. You find a new way to to fall in love with the sport again in a, in a different way uh, than than you've been used to. Um, but also Holland, like mm. I, I know if you're you're living under a rock, uh, maybe you haven't heard about this kid before. But over 40 goals now this year, uh, 10 goals in nine Bundesliga matches with Borussia Dortmund after arriving in 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 January. And I mean, he's just devastating. Um, size, speed, smarts. His IQ for the game is is really impressive as well. I mean, I, I I'm frightened to think what this player might be when he's 23, 24 years old. Yeah, it's almost as if somebody took Peter Crouch and gave him a jet engine. You know, when you you <laughs> you, you watch him run, his ability to cover space uh, for a guy that large is remarkable. And the other thing that I really like about him, and, you know, let's see as the season goes on, if this continues to be the case, and especially let's see what happens once he starts playing regularly in Europe. But for a big man, his ability to get into areas and not get carded is, you know, is, 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 is stunning because look, quite often a, a player that size automatically attracts the attention of the officials. I mean, that's just the way it is. And his ability to navigate tight areas and finish without getting carded has really, has really stuck out to me. And that's something, you know, again, you can be the greatest, you can be the greatest player in the planet, but if you've got a yellow card, if after every match you've got a yellow card or after every, uh, you know, the first 15 minutes of every match, you have a yellow card you negate your effectiveness. So that will, it'll be interesting to see how that holds up as he gets farther along in his career, but I'm with you. He's remarkable to watch. He's, and you know, the other thing, Danny, he's in the right team. Like I'm glad he didn't go anyplace else. He's in the right team because he's going to get the flourish. He's going to play a lot. He's going to have athletic players around him. It's just the right place for him to be right now. Yeah, and I, I hope he stays for a while because there's, you know, there's already the the immediates like, uh, oh, he's going to go to Real Madrid this summer, or, and as we saw with Luka Jovic um, in, in the last mm. off season, you know, maybe that's not the best move for you, kid. Um, so maybe the the pandemic in a way does help that, you know, that there's not going to be those huge money transfers. At least it doesn't look like there will be. So I think there's a good chance that Holland keeps it around at Dortmund at least for one more year. And I think he should. I mean, the the, the possibilities are endless uh, for him there. And then there's also our boy, Alfonso Davies, in the 2-0 Bayern win uh, yesterday on Sportsnet. And, um, you know, at times he looked like the best player on the field for me, Jeff. Uh, he did end up with his first yellow card, uh, did his remarkable recoveries on, on defense um, with the, the, the incredible speed he does possess. But it's um, it's amazing just how much that team flows through him going down the left flank. Yeah, he reminds me a lot. He, he does for Bayern a little bit what Andy Robertson does for Liverpool, maybe even better, maybe even more because I think he's faster. Um, you know, look, he's 19 years old. He's, he's playing 90 minutes on the, the best team in the Bundesliga. Oh, and by the way, he played 90 minutes yesterday with Lucas Hernandez, who cost 80 million euros sitting on the bench, uh, you know, healthy again, fit again, but he's keeping him out of the lineup. Uh, first half uh, against Union Berlin, who I, I thought did about as, as well as he possibly could against, against Bayern. First half against Union Berlin three times. You saw him 
shed his marker and create an offensive opportunity. He has got a lot of freedom under Hansi Flick. The question now is with Lewandowski back, there there are four or five players who are going to be jockeying for position. A couple of them are German internationals, and you know that in in Germany there will be pressure on 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 Hansi Flick to ensure that the German players do get playing time. It's it, it's going to be fascinating to see if he can hold on to his spot for the rest of the year. Um, I, look, if I'm if I'm Bayern, why do you change? Why do you change what's working? I I I, I ride it out with him. Yeah, they've got, uh, I think, thirty-four of a possible thirty-six points yeah. in their last eight. Yeah. in their last so many matches, uh, thirteen matches. So, um, it's it's pretty incredible uh, what what he's been able to do, and um, it's it's only going to continue. I wonder, you know, how much squad rotation we see this weekend. Uh, Bayern will have Frankfurt on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Dortmund has Wolfsburg, so that's a bit of a tougher match for them. They are at Wolfsburg in that match. And then it's Der Klassiker next Tuesday. So the, you're going to have that short turnaround there, that first short turnaround coming out of the break. I would imagine, you know, Bayern maybe doesn't go with their first 11 uh, against Frankfurt and how much uh, that maybe changes their plans ahead of uh, Der Klassiker because that could essentially clinch them the title uh, if they're able to beat Dortmund next Tuesday. Yeah, and, um, and I think that'll yeah. be a real test. You know, the, the, the rule now in the Bundesliga, you're allowed you're allowed five substitutions, but only three windows to use them. Um, that'll be, you know, I think we'll see Hansi Flick take full advantage of that against against Frankfurt. And I'm with you. I wouldn't at all be surprised. Even if he starts his regular 11, I wouldn't at all be surprised if at halftime or early in the match, uh, you see, you know, five, you see wholesale changes. Uh, you, might, you might as well. You've got enough depth. You might as well do it. And Byron wasn't as uh, you know free flowing as as Dortmund was, so uh, we'll see if Dortmund can keep that up moving forward. But uh, man, were they devastating against Schalke? Uh, let's uh, let's bring in our our first guest here on a kick in the grass. He is a Bundesliga champion from 2004 with Werder Bremen. Also played with the Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, of course Canadian international assistant coach with York Nine FC in the Canadian Premier League. He is Paul Stalteri. Thanks for doing this, Paul. Uh, if, if anything, it was just it was just great to to catch some football on Saturday again, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was great over the weekend to uh, to finally have a chance. Uh, one for me not to have run out the door and uh, go to a little training session with the one of, one of the kids' teams or or whatever. But it was uh, it was nice to to finally get the television on and uh, watch some live uh, some live footage of football that uh, that's been played, not uh, not any past games or any. Uh, uh, games that were played uh, years and years ago, but it was good to see um, some live football finally. Paul, what did you make of it? What did you make of what you saw? Um, I'm still kind of one of those. Uh, I- I'm a traditionalist, no doubt about it. I like to see. Well, everybody likes to see the game with with a, with a full stadium, and it is tough to. Uh, it's tough to see. I mean, it's uh, it's tough to get really into the game completely. If you really looked at the. Uh, I watch a lot of the Dortmund, uh, the Dortmund Schalke match, and uh, yeah, if you watch, there's some high-level goals. There's some there's some real quality goals being scored there. Absolute superb passes from Brandt into the into for the goals. I mean, those are those celebrated in front of eighty thousand people would have been something real special uh, to see. But um, it, it's tough. You're hearing everything, um, everything that's going on in the in the game. You're hearing all these uh, uh, different things that normally you don't hear. So. It's, it isn't ideal, but I think I'm very similar to a lot of the players' mentality. They know they need to get these games played. 
there's nothing else you can do about it and they just got to be professional about it and get on with it and um, that's just the way the end of the season the rest of the season is going to play out it did uh it didn't feel like anybody was was shying away from a challenge too much um did did you notice that that at all yeah that didn't i had no doubt in my mind that that would that would play any part in the game i knew that uh, once the whistle went these guys were going to go at it they know nothing different they go at it at training every day without uh without people watching that 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 was never going to be my uh my question whether the players were were into it or whether they were going to go full into a challenge or, or whatnot i think uh uh, everything takes over after that. Your natural instincts uh, take over. Once the whistle goes, you're you are going to be ready to go. I think it's just everything around that that's a little bit strange to uh, to see. You know, um, players in the stands, uh, not really sitting on the bench, uh, those kind of things. Those were the interesting parts that were uh, uh, were very very strange to kind of see. You know, one of the things that that really struck me is the major difference. Paul and I'm with you. I mean, I thought the, you know the quality of play was was terrific. I didn't think anybody pulled out, but you didn't see guys squaring up to each other. You saw a little bit, uh, a little bit of room, a little bit of wiggle room being given to officials. Do you think that's the new norm, or do you think that once we get well, for example, that Dortmund Bayern match, if that gets a little testy, you may start seeing some of those the things that we've become used to to seeing. I think uh, the big test will be that match uh, to see whether the players really get involved with each other and um, and it's like anything it's uh, when you're watching these big games uh, the, the the stands uh, and the fans that are in the stands they they bring out the emotions more than anything and if you uh, if, if once the stadiums get full again you'll see you'll see the players come right back to where, where they were before uh, contesting calls and and all they're doing really is they're just trying to influence the ref probably for the next decision. They know they're not going to get that one changed. It's just the the decision after that that they're trying to influence, especially uh, with the with the home crowd uh, in, in these games. But it'd be a good one to see if uh, you know in the the Bayern the Bayern Dortmund matchup if uh, if things get a little bit contested and, and heated, which I'm which I imagine they will do because that that probably uh, will have a big play into the title. Uh, for the season, if Bayern win that game, the, the league is probably uh, theirs. If uh, if Dortmund manage to to swing it, it, it'll be all to play for. I think up until the end of the season. So that one will be a big test to see if these players are really going to get themselves into it, and I imagine they will because they know the title's on the line in that game. You see it often when a player comes off of injury. Uh, they, they might have a strong game because their their adrenaline kicks in and they're excited to be back, but. Then, you know, games two and three returning, uh, maybe not doesn't come as easy for them as as the the long layoff starts to take a toll on their body and, and, and it just can't keep up. Uh, do you think that's that's going to be a worry here in the next couple of weeks as as, you know, maybe the the wear of of being away for two months starts to show a little bit more? I think it's going to be a worry for everything. I think it's going to be a worry for the interest from the people. I think it's going to be a worry for the interest from the players to maintain that level. Um, especially if you're talking about a mid-table matchup with three or four games to go, that probably doesn't mean too much for, for either team. Um, I think the teams at the bottom or the top will always be fighting for some, but I think it's going to be difficult to maintain that, that motivation. I knew the first uh, couple of games not being played in a couple of months, uh, the players will be right up for it. Um, but... Uh, five six games down the road from now, playing in an empty stadium and and doing this all you know again and again and again, I think it, it's going to play a toll 
not just physically on the players, but it's going to play one uh, uh, mentally as well. And physically, for sure, you're going to see a number of injuries, I think, pop up. Um, we saw that just in the in the Dortmund game, just in the warm-up uh, with, with what Reina getting injured, uh, missing his uh, full full team debut, full starting debut early, um, getting injured in a warm-up. How often do we really see that? Not too often. So physically, it's going to play a big role, but I think mentally as well. Uh, we shouldn't overlook the mental the mental part of this and getting these players motivated and, and also having the fans stay motivated. And hopefully that, that remains to, that remains high. I mean, the German, you know, there was a big critical number of fans in Germany criticizing the, 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 the Germans, the, the Bundesliga coming back and, and the real reasons for it coming back. But nevertheless, it was record numbers uh, being watched on over the television over the weekend. So uh, the numbers were high and let's see if they can uh, maintain that and maintain that interest for the rest of the season. Paul, I'm wondering if soccer players around the world, indeed athletes around the world, a lot of whom were watching this just to see what it was going to be like to see a team sport in kind of the new norm, to see it played out. What do you think they will take away from it in terms of, um, you know, in terms of motivating them to maybe get back? I'm thinking in particular of the Premier League, where it seems as if there's a reluctance on the part of some players to, to sort of fully commit to coming back in. Do you think anybody saw anything this weekend that will change their mind about that? Yeah, I think they will be. I think uh, most of the games, if not all of them, were played without any, uh, without a, without a flaw. They they went as planned. Uh, one or two celebrations that probably the Germans weren't too weren't too happy with. Uh, I imagine. Uh, but other than that, they went exactly as planned. And let's not forget, it was also not just a high-pro Bundesliga that was played. It was the second the Bundesliga being played as well, where it was much, uh, the level of interest is obviously a little bit lower. But um, both divisions played with without any issues. So, um, you know, I think uh, once once other players and other um, in other leagues uh, see this trend going on uh, for not just one weekend, but a couple of weekends, I think that'll... That'll bound to be a factor in them determining that they should be okay. Uh, that should ease their their tension or their anxiety in, in, in getting back onto the pitch. But I think um, so. Like anything, I think the Bundesliga coming back is going to be a role model not just for uh, for the leagues, but for the players inside of the league and them understanding that it's probably um, all the precautions that they're taking and all the necessary steps that they'll all be uh, they'll be all be safe and then that's the most important part for them knowing that 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 is the case so we uh we got to see Alfonso Davies be once again one of the better players on the pitch for for Bayern Munich and he does so much uh, on both ends right offensively uh creating opportunities for the forwards and uh, also making some some big time recoveries um at the back uh, for you um as a fullback as a, as a wingback through your career you know what surprises you most or what impresses you most that he's been able to transition so well from you know growing up as a forward and and moving to this left back position well there's a couple of factors for me one he's an athlete he's an unbelievable uh specimen i mean he's a he's he's dynamic he's pace when when i had him uh, when I was coaching him, I mean, his body was just—it's rock hard. He's—he's—he's he's got no weakness uh, in terms of the physical attributes that he can bring. Uh, the boy can go all day long. He could run uh, 90 minutes plus uh, up and down. Um, he's quick. He's dynamic. So he's got every component that you need in, in terms of uh, the physical attributes to play really in any position on the pitch. But fullback is 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 the one uh, that allows him to do that. Um, on the other side of it. 
Uh, I think he's adapted quicker than everyone uh, would have thought, uh, playing in a position there he's never really played before. And I say that <clears throat> um, one of his, one of the factors I think, uh, what you have to realize, and what maybe people don't think about, is if he was playing probably in another in another team in the Bundesliga or a smaller team in the Bundesliga, it might have taken him a little bit longer to adapt to that position. But when you're playing in the in the best club in the in the country and one of the best in the world. They're used to attacking. Those fullbacks are always used to attacking. They're used to getting higher up on the pitch. They're used to always having the ball. They're used to dominating games. And that's what Bayern do. And he's not, and it's a great, it's great for him because he's not, he's not learning that trade with, so let's say he's back against the wall in a, in a team uh, fighting for relegation or something like that when you've got wingers flying at him and he's, he's got players, uh, you know, in 2v1 situations where he's got to make decisions and things like that. So it's a little bit to his advantage, I think, playing in such a big club and playing with the best team and it allows him to, to get forward what he's used to do more than, uh, more than say, some fullbacks and some other uh, clubs in, the, in the, uh, some other smaller teams in the league. But uh, that's just great for him and that's, a, that's an attribute to him and that's a perfect situation for him to learn that uh, position. And once he's... Once he's learned that position, but sky's the limit for the boy. He can go all the way and be, uh, you know, one of the top, one of the top top players in European football. Yeah, I think a lot of us are looking forward to seeing him match up against Dortmund in particular because he's going to face a lot of speed down that side with with Jaden Sancho, and speed that he may not have actually seen up to this point. Uh, do you see him, Paul, uh, needing to change anything he is doing? once Bayern, you know, is fully fit um, and, and, and has everybody back. You know, Lewandowski was back. He was out until, until the coronavirus hit. So he's back in action. They moved Thomas Muller outside a little bit. There are obviously going to be some other moves once everybody gets healthy, Nicholas Sula, things of this nature. Is he going to have to change his game at all when this team is like 100% healthy? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do when Hernandez comes back, whether he... Uh... They, they drop Boateng and, and, and implement, put him in, or they drop uh, even Alaba, or even Alfonso changes positions, and Alaba goes back to to, to left back, or he, it's just his position, and he's won it, which uh, which I think is the case. I think it's his. I think he's won that position. I don't see them making a change there um, in the short term. I think uh, if he continues to play the way he did uh, just on the weekend and we're up until that, I think that is his position. The question will remain, though, uh, and it, this season's a little bit different because he's not going to have to worry about uh, the big Champions League games and, and playing against opponents that are going to come at him and, and, and really challenge him like uh, in these big European ties that he would have seen in the, in the last little bit. So a little bit of an advantage to that, too. Like you said, Jeff, big... Uh, Big test will be Dortmund and him coming up against you know real wingers that 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 have pace that can match his pace and that will attack him in a one v one situation because that's probably where he's not been tested the most in the in that defensive component what I spoke uh, component what I spoke about earlier um, we can we know he can get forward we know he can fly we know he can get up and down the wing um, but his positional awareness and um, him being attacked in a 1v1 situation or even a 2v1 situation, him having forced to make decisions. I think that's something that may take some time still from him. Um, but let's let's face it, he's come a long, long way in the last uh, two, three months, four months that he's been able to to steadily play that position. Um, just shortly before Kovac got released, he put him into that role and and, and Flick is, uh, is, is basically kept him there for the, pretty much every fixture, if not every one from him.
We see how well uh, Alfonso has has developed. Uh, Jonathan David, uh, it seems uh, the the rumors are that he'd like to move to Bundesliga. Uh, seeing how well young players develop there as well. I mean, it's been it's been a pretty good spot for for Canadians uh, like like yourself, right, Paul? You you went through Werder Bremen, uh, Rob Friends with Munchen Gladbach, Josh Simpson. Kaiser Slotten, um, you know, even Marcel de Jong played with Augsburg. So uh, what is it about Germany that um, has allowed some Canadian internationals to have success? Or why has it been more welcoming uh, to Canadians than, than other spots in Europe? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got Kevin McKenna, you got uh, Julian de Guzman. Yeah. You know, there's a list of players that can, you know, that have, have done real well and, and carved out real good careers for themselves there. I think the I've said before in, in the past, I think the mentality is 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 um, is is very similar. The the Germans like what the Canadians bring, uh, even the, some of the Americans what they bring. They've had a lot of success in in German football as well. I think they're allowed. They they go there. Canadians go there with an open mind. They listen to what's going on. They adapt to what's uh, what the country's bringing. But in the end, uh, they're disciplined. They're hardworking. We're hardworking. We go there. We get our head down. We listen to what they want and want done, and we. We do it, and uh, uh, we're not sitting there questioning uh, things. And, and when you go to other countries, you got to be. I've said to anybody, you, if you can't adapt to the country that you're going to, you're going to struggle. And um, if you think the country is going to adapt to you, you're going to struggle even more, and you're not going to make it. So um, it's a it's a matter of the players getting there and adapting to it and, and embracing it. And on the other side, the Germans uh, say what you like. They they really. They really take to, to to foreigners in that country. I mean, it's uh, uh, they they do really well uh, embracing them. They welcome them. Uh, they adapt to them as well uh, to some component. But I think uh, obviously the major factor is the, the Canadians can get there and, and show that they're they're hardworking individuals. They'll 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 do what they need to do to to succeed in the league. And it's a uh, like I've always said, for for young players, I don't think there's a better league for any of them to go to other than the the German Bundesliga. And if that's what Jonathan chooses to do, I know Johnny well. He's a he's a real smart kid, and he he's going to make a decision based on from what I know of him. Um, he's going to make that decision based on what's the best for him and where he thinks he's going to develop the most. He's not going to. I don't see him going to the biggest club. Uh, or the biggest offer, I think he's uh, he's a smart enough guy to go to where he thinks he's going to develop and take his game to the next level. Paul, I'm wondering, were you surprised at how it seemed, at least in the first weekend of the Bundesliga's return, as if the offenses had it over over the defenses? You know, I know the German league, it's it can be a high-scoring league traditionally. But, you know, other than Union Berlin, who I thought, really in in the first half of their game against Bayern did about as tactically about as best as you possibly could. Other than that, I thought there was some really shocking defending. And I know that's your area, not shocking defending, but defending as well. Um, <laughs> Some, what, sometimes it was. Yeah, no, not, not that I remember, not that often. Uh, what did you make of that? Um, I think uh, I was, I was expecting a little bit, I was expecting a little bit less goals being scored, to be honest. I didn't think the, I didn't think, you know, sometimes when you're playing in these, these, uh, these venues or the stadiums where, um, where they're in, you know, when they're empty like that, you, you know, you maybe you don't see as many goals, but, uh, probably timing, probably fitness levels, uh, mental mistakes. Uh, I think, uh, probably didn't think too, I probably didn't think enough about that. That's probably the biggest reasons I think, 
once players got to start getting tired and their their timing is off, you start making mistakes, and that's the bottom line. In the in the attackers who uh, who are able to take advantage of that because um, you know they can make maybe they can make ten mistakes and no one notices, but as soon as you make one mistake at the back, you're going to get noticed. So um, yeah, I think mental mistakes is uh, was was a big factor because you know players were getting players probably fitness levels are nowhere near where they need to be so i think that probably had a lot to do with it um but you're right there was some there was some poor defending um poor decisions being made um the Schalke keeper the young boy didn't have his uh, his best uh, his best day either uh which is unfortunate for him but yeah i think it was a lot to do with uh, if i if i really think of it i think a lot of it had to do with um probably that timing as a defender and knowing as a defender, if I'm hitting, if I'm in a one v one situation, if I have someone to attack me with pace, or or a ball is being whipped in, and I've got to make that decision, I am going to make that decision on instinct. And if I'm if I second guess myself for even a tenth of a second, even the uh, I'm done. You're you've made that mistake. So um, I think it's a lot. A lot has to do with that because if you're not fully committed, if your natural instincts aren't there to take over, you're you're in trouble. If you start thinking. Um, and worrying about that little tiny thing that you in the back of your mind that you that you're not sure you're not quite too sure if you should if you should uh, bite or you should not should bite throw a tackling or not throw a tackling or or clear that ball or attack the ball in a certain angle uh, the chances are you're going to make that mistake and I think uh, that had a big factor in it. Paul, we uh, we really appreciate the time. Hopefully, um, you know, we'll see the Canadian Premier League getting going soon. You and York Nine uh, for a second season coming up later on this summer. Thanks for this today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. There is Paul Stalteri, uh, Bundesliga champion 2004 and Canadian international, now with York 9 FC. Uh, more to come. Let's head over to Germany and speak with Christian Falk, head of football at Build Sport. Uh, he's got all the latest on the reaction of what went down this weekend and what's coming next uh, for the Bundesliga. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, a kick in the grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. It's a kick in the grass. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, the newest show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network, covering all things uh, soccer or football, whichever term you prefer to use. Uh, now joining us, you follow him on Twitter at CF Bayern. He is Christian Falk, the head of football at Build Sport. Thanks for this, Christian. Uh, just what what was the reaction in Germany uh, coming out of this weekend uh, for, from what we saw in the Bundesliga? So um, the Bundesliga has resumed operation as the first major league in the world, you know, and we also know that we are a role model for whole Europe. So there's a big yeah. responsibility for the football we have now here in Germany. <laughs> so you've seen the pictures, perhaps. <laughs> I think yeah. it worked very well, but not everything was uh, was perfect, of course. like It's always at the start. Some players was kissing each other after a goal. Yeah, that are things uh, which shouldn't happen. But I think the most of the players uh, did it very good, uh, especially in the biggest teams like Dortmund and Bayern. Um, I think uh, they tried to do their best uh, to be not too close in scenes which have nothing to do with football. You know, Christian, one of the things I thought watching most of the matches this weekend, it was reassuring to me because yes, there were no fans in the stands and obviously that, in, that affects the, 
um, you know, that affects the, the, the environment. But the matches themselves, you know, the quality of finishing was superb. It was much better than I thought it would be. We can talk about the quality of, quality of defending some other time. But by and large, it looked to me pretty much like a normal football match, maybe, you know, early in the season with still a little bit of rust. But I, I was reassured by it. To me, it was it looked very much like, a, you know, like a Bundesliga match. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, we we don't talk about Schalke, I guess. <laughs> I think they're, they're not in the best condition. But um, you know, it was a derby, and uh, if you see Dortmund playing, uh, it was a really perfect game for this big club. And um, you see that uh, Dortmund want to win something this season, and this is a point. Uh, the clubs which can uh, succeed at the end, they were there. They do their best. Bayern Munich was playing, like you say, uh, very professional. In Germany, we have a saying that uh, means uh, a good a good horse jumps just as high as it must. And they did it. Uh, there was never any danger that they can lose or even make a draw. So it was really, really good watching it. Of course, when you see the pictures uh, on the stands, uh, it's a little bit strange. And uh, you hear many, many noises. Uh, from the players, which I we not used to. So uh, we have a, in Germany we call it Kreisliga, the lower leagues. So when I watch my my hometown with ten thousand people living here, uh, our team uh, it's the same. I hear now what Manuel Neuer is screaming, and uh, you get a, a new a new feel on the football because you see which are the players which uh, getting loud and pushing the others like Thomas Müller or uh, Joshua Kimmich at Bayern Munich, or at Dortmund it was Mats Hummels, you say. Uh, he's a boss on the pitch, and um, this is new. But of course, uh, everybody's missing the audience, because uh, when there is a goal or even a penalty, and <laughs> there are just reactions like just a few players clapping their hands, oh, we have to getting used to it, but it's like that. And uh, you're right, I think the football was good. The, the football was pretty good, and and uh, we were, we were quite well surprised. I think the the, the hype of everything, uh, people were like, "What is this going to look like?" Five substitutions. This is not football, and and uh, I think that was definitely uh, overblown to a certain extent. Um, but you mentioned uh, some hugs and some kisses uh, during uh, during matches, um, but but no punishments uh, from the DFL um, that we know of yet. Uh, why why is that? No, I think everybody knows that you you can't change people from one moment to the other. It's a football is emotion, and uh, after a goal, you know, um, nobody nobody can say what happened there. Uh, I was talking with uh, Leon Goretzka of Bayern Munich before the game. He said, "Yes, uh, if Lewandowski will score, uh, I think he's controlled because he's used to it. But uh, I can't say what happened if I score because I don't do it so often." Uh, <laughs> And I'm running to the stand and celebrating myself and I see, oh, nobody's there. <laughs> so I think that was the first uh, match and um, it's getting better. And uh, of course, it's especially Hertha where the kisses were also. And I think you heard about Salomon Kalou who, who made this uh, very, very stupid uh, Facebook video of what mm -hmm. happened uh, in the dressing rooms at Hertha before. 
we everybody knows something like that uh, may not longer happen. But we have to give the players the chance to learn. And I think for the first try, they did it very well. Christian, I'm wondering, when you look at the results, uh, Dortmund winning 4-0 without Emery Chan, without Axel Witzel, uh, without Marco Royce, with Jaden Sancho coming off, uh, coming off the bench, do you think that we are going to see this turn into a two-team race towards the end? And, and what does Dortmund have to do to catch Bayern? I think um, Dortmund uh, is now in the mute uh, to win the title. Um, they have not enough points at the moment, but you know, uh, Bayern Munich is playing uh, in Dortmund and two matches. And uh, now they're believing in Dortmund that they can win. So I think this is uh, the biggest difference to the team last season. Uh, I had an interview uh, this week with uh, Emre Can um, and he told me that uh, he's feeling that, uh, you know, in Bayern you say Sieger mentalität, uh, mentality of a winner. He brings it with him in the team. He, he learned it at Bayern Munich. He learned it at, at Liverpool. Um, then you have a player like Marco Reus, uh, which now is talking about winning the championship. Uh, before, the players sometimes were afraid to talk about it in Dortmund. Oh, no, Bayern Munich is always winning, so we try our best to be second. So uh, and I think this is the big difference that they come and they showed it in the last matches also before the Corona break and um, that they are keen on winning this title. And uh, if they do it like uh, against Schalke, uh, I think they have a chance. If they win against Bayern Munich, uh, it's a, a home ghost match uh, without audience. But uh, Thomas Müller was uh, telling me uh, the stadium in, in Dortmund is always the stadium in Dortmund. Uh, of course, uh, the fans are impressing there, but uh, we know that we are not the home team when we play there. So there's a little advantage as well. And if Dortmund is winning, it's just one point, and then it could happen, you know? Yeah, and with um, uh, the way that uh, Erling Haaland has, has been uh, playing and the, and the goals he scores and Jadon Sancho, if he's able to get back to full fitness, um, you know, the match is, uh, I believe, next Tuesday, May 26th, and, uh, and a match you'll be able to watch with us on Sportsnet, of course. But... Um, Dortmund really has become, and they've set the standard across Europe, Christian, for for developing young players into uh, into stars. And and yes, they eventually move them on, but uh, boy, their track record is just getting better and better with players like Sancho and and how we've seen Holland uh, just hit the ground running there as well. Yeah, you see, this is a big chance of Dortmund. You know, if you are. Uh... Leon Goretzka, which uh, was already developed, uh, he could decide everywhere to go in the league. He chose uh, Bayern. But um, Sancho had also offer from Bayern Munich, and he said, oh, Bayern Munich, there are so many stars. Mm, perhaps I prefer to go to Dortmund because there I have the chance to develop uh, the same thing with Haaland. And uh, these uh, examples show that uh, it's the right way from Dortmund because they develop very, very well. And this is the point uh, I mentioned before. If you have now uh, leaders like Emre Can and Marco Reus in the team, uh, which help these young players, that the whole pressure is not on them. They can um, play their game, little crazy characters they are. And uh, the pressure is on the leaders. Uh, I think it's a very, very good combination. Christian, you know, in Canada, we spend an awful lot of time 
thinking about and watching Alfonso Davies. And I wanted to get I wanted to get a sense from somebody somebody in Germany, first of all, what do you know, what do the football cognoscente think of uh, of Alfonso Davies as a player? And secondly, now that Bayern is getting healthy again, you know, we saw Lucas Hernandez, for example, on the on, on the bench, or I guess in the stands to be accurate on Sunday. What does he have to do to keep his spot in the lineup? First of all, everybody in Germany loves Alfonso Davis. I think even <laughs> the fans, uh, supporters of the other teams, uh, like his way he's doing his things on TikTok. <laughs> he's really a funny guy. But uh, um, here we're talking about the player, of course. And um, I think the big thing was uh, that uh, the coach of Bayern Munich, Hansi Flick, uh, put uh, David Alaba. Uh, in the central position of the defense. So there was space for Alfonso Davies. At the first, uh, they tried to make him uh, play on the wing uh, like Coman. This didn't succeed. But uh, they saw the chance to bring him back left. And there, he did it very, very well. And, you know, Lucas Hernandez is the most expensive player we ever had uh, in Germany for 8 million Euros, which were paid to Atletico Madrid, and uh, you know he's fit and he's sitting on the bench. I think this is uh, saying everything about uh, the situation of Alfonso Davis because um, normally it's a big pressure on a coach to to leave such a player out. Uh, Hernandez is world champion, and uh, Davis is playing, so he's playing very very good. Uh, he has incredible speed. Uh, I don't know if you heard, heard the. the the, the words of Ian Robben, which was also a very, very fast player, and he's, he was telling that when he's sitting in front of the TV watching with his son, uh, Alfonso Davis, uh, they're both laughing because they can't believe how quick he is. So he's doing well. Yeah, he's our, uh, he's our pride and joy, Christian. Uh, like <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, and uh, and and hopefully we'll see another Canadian in Bundesliga soon with Jonathan David uh, being rumored to to maybe make that move this this summer uh, into the Bundesliga. But uh, it it has been a league that has uh, welcomed a lot of Canadians. Uh, Paul Stalteri will also join us on the show. He used to play with uh, Werder Bremen. But uh, an interesting thought on on Bayern Munich is just. Um, They've, they've done a lot of business um, here um, during the pause, Christian. Uh, Davies getting a new contract. Uh, you've done a lot of reporting on, on Leroy Sané potentially moving uh, to, to Bayern Munich from Manchester City. H have they uh, not been as affected uh, financially as, as maybe some other big clubs or some other clubs around Europe? You know, Bayern Munich was working always very, very serious. I think uh, often it was a disadvantage, you know. They didn't do the crazy things in the past uh, when they had the chance to buy Neymar. They said, no, they had the chance to buy uh, any other players because they have the money and they had the money. Um, we call it uh, the Fiskel Konto in Germany. Uh, Bayern Munich is proud of uh, it means the bank account where the money lies, and uh, that's the point. That Bayern Munich has a bank account uh, where a lot of money is uh, in detail. So they, nobody knows exactly, but it's about uh, more than 200 million euros. And that's why they can uh, do now like they do it. You know, they gave uh, the coach a new contract. They gave uh, Thomas Müller a new contract. 
they are trying to give uh, Manuel Neuer a new contract, uh, Alaba a new contract, and every contract uh, is uh, not one with um, lower money, they give more. So uh, I don't see any club in this uh, crisis which could act uh, so like that. And uh, I think this is a point which uh, also Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the CEO of Bayern Munich, said when he, when he said uh, that everybody is seeing now that the Bundesliga uh, shows the old quality of uh, made in Germany. You know, we don't do any crazy things, but if they do something, they do it always uh, good and serious. And now... Um, it's an advantage for the Bundesliga. Christian, I want to uh, take it back a little bit to the actual matches themselves. Um, I read uh, Tobias Altschaffel had a uh, had an article in the Guardian about what it's like to cover a match with nobody in the stands and and very <laughs> few media people. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you, um, if you were if you were at a match this weekend? What it's like, and just walk us through your day a bit compared to what it would have been normally in terms of access to players and things of that nature. So actually the, the match was in Berlin for Bayern Munich. That's why I won't uh, uh, okay. go to the, the game. But um, we had one of our reporters also there, like in every stadium. You know, the written press is just allowed uh, 10 journalists to send. So always one of our group. And... Um, I talked with our, my colleagues about that situation. It's um, really a little bit, yeah, strange. They said uh, they're coming there. Uh, the best thing was uh, to go to the stadium because there was no traffic jam. <laughs> they parked in front of the <laughs> But of course, that's not the, the idea of football. But um, everyone had to fill out a questionnaire. Then uh, they had uh, the temperature was measured. And then they were sitting in a stadium, which was... was <laughs> completely empty you know and at Augsburg for example there was my colleague Toby there were 239 people I think and uh, at the press stand uh, there were 10 writers and everybody had a space between them of one and a half meter or more and uh, a few meters uh, down also on the main stand there were the sitting the substitute of the of the teams also and everybody was wearing face protections but uh, nobody talked to each other because everybody was so far away yeah it's yeah i think strange is the word but um we are so happy that uh, we can watch football again so if it's just possible in this way uh, we have to take it like it is I, I know um, uh, there was still some uh, concern, I guess, of, of the Bundesliga returning from from the general public, uh, but the the reaction that I've seen has been mostly positive coming coming out of the weekend. Have they proven uh, that that this can be done and it can be done safely and and people are on board now? I hope so. You know, it's a big discussion. Uh... Because no, not everybody in Germany is a football fan. I don't know why, but <laughs> it is like that. And you know, it's it's. Uh, but I think, and like Daimler, so they're also working. And why shouldn't uh, football, which has also many employees, um, can work? And and I was a little bit afraid about uh, how will it be uh, in front of the stadium. Will there be fans uh, to celebrate? And this would be a little bit dangerous for the whole situation. But the people didn't come. They stayed at home and uh, all, especially for like a match like Dortmund against Schalke, you know, uh, that's not, uh, not normal. And But it was okay. 
Uh, I don't know if you saw the one, <laughs> the one supporter which was climbing on a tree to watch uh, Union, uh, Union Berlin against Bayern Munich. <laughs> the police catched him, but uh, that I think was the only one I saw. So if the people react like that and uh, say that it's okay to watch for a time football just on TV, just hear it on the on the radio and read the newspapers and stay away from stadiums, uh, I think uh, it could work. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting to see how this is this is all played out, and and I think uh, some of the rhetoric uh, even around Europe has said, well, uh, clearly Germany has done it, so we can too, and and we'll see if the Premier League and La Liga uh, can get going as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you did a lot of reporting on on Leroy Sané uh, potentially moving to Bayern Munich. Um, is that is that a, a a foregone conclusion at this point? Um, do you see uh, this happening this summer or, or will Bayern wait until he becomes a free agent or they can sign him on a free in 2021 summer? I think that this is exactly the point. Uh, normally, um, Bayern Munich would like to do is this summer. Uh, Leroy Sonny would like to come this summer. But, uh, you know, there is a, a big, a big shike uh, behind City, uh, which has a lot of money. But uh, even even Manchester City has to to look uh, on the transfer volume. Uh, you know that uh, there is a, a fair play uh, agreement between the clubs, and they have to also sell players to get some money to buy new ones. So Bayern Munich is a very in a very comfortable situation because, as you said, uh, next summer they don't pay a cent for Leroy Sané, and he wants to come to Bayern Munich and just to Bayern Munich and. He don't want to extend his contract at City. They tried, but he didn't. So the pressure will grow on City uh, that they accept something. I think Bayern Munich is uh, always a fair partner at deals. Uh, so they will find a good price. City had a wonderful talent for 50 million euros uh, bought from Schalke. They, he played there for four years. So now they can decide if he has played his role and they get some money again for him or uh, they lose the money and uh, we'll see him one year later at Bayern Munich. We'll see uh, the, the transfer market this uh, summer or whenever the offseason does does come uh, will be uh, very, very interesting and different from, from years past. Uh, Christian, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate your insights. Uh, thank you for this and all the best moving forward. We'll talk again soon, hopefully. Yeah, let's... Let's hope that we see and can talk about football whole over the world again. But uh, I think this was a good start for the Bundesliga and a good start for the football. Thank you very much. Thanks, Christian. You can follow Christian at CF Bayern. Christian Falk, the head of football at Build Sport in Germany. Final segment coming on a kick in the grass. Uh, injury time. It's Kind of, kind of a working title, but hey, we don't mind using the most obvious cliches uh, here on this show. Uh, Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, a kick in the grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Final segment here on a kick in the grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Injury time. Yes, it is the most obvious and cliche name possible, but we've got three minutes to give you whatever we missed during the rest of the show. Uh, Jeff, you found some uh, interesting Bundesliga stats you wanted to get to. 
Yeah, our friend that opt the our friends that opt the stats broke down the uh, the first six matches in the Bundesliga, and there's some interesting numbers. There were fewer 50-50 duels between players, fewer touches in the opponent's box, a lot fewer actually, 35.5 compared to 44.9 before the break. There were more passes in each game, 940 to 906. I don't know, maybe that hints the players were a little more cautious. But what was really kind of interesting. It's something we've thought about. If there are no fans in the stands, is there anything such as a home field advantage? And normally, normally the visiting team gets treated more harshly by referees in the Bundesliga than uh, than the home team. That was not the case, especially on Saturday. Indeed, there were slightly more fouls and yellow cards awarded against the home teams on average Saturday. So just a couple of things to keep an eye on as we try to decide what the new normal is going to look like. So uh, essentially, the crowd's not yelling at the ref, so he's not influenced. <laughs> that would seem to be it. Or you know, th- there wasn't players crowding the ref after every uh, nick nick and cranny foul. Uh, so so that that maybe plays a factor too. Uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on those on those stats moving forward. Uh, the other news that came out uh, just today: uh, the Premier League agreeing to begin Phase One of Project Restart with non-contact training. Uh, but even the June 19th date that uh, they had kind of kind of been aiming for, Jeff, still seems still seems like a long way off and maybe too optimistic. Yeah, I, I really think it is. Look, I, you know, I think what we're seeing here is, and this is probably the way it should be. I think the various leagues in various countries are following government guidelines, and you've seen in Germany, a country that seems to have had its act together. Uh, when it comes to de- dealing with coronavirus, you've seen the league, the government, and the players. They see it, it seems as if they're more in, they're they're on the same page because of that. There is kind of a trust that is obvious in the decision making process that clearly doesn't exist in England. You just have to look at the numbers. I really think that's one of the problems with the Premier League. If you've got mixed messages coming from the government, you know it makes it hard for guys, players in particular. To, to, to make a decision on this. I'm, I think we have a long way to go before the, before the Premier League comes back. I really do, because I'm just not certain that enough minds were changed by what we saw on the weekend in Germany. Well, and uh, just, again, look at the number of cases, right, and, and how much worse the, the, the issue is in, in the U.K. right now, over 3,000 uh, yesterday in, in the U.K. and uh, just over 500 in, in Germany. So it is still a vast, vast difference. La Liga wants to uh, get back to group training this week, and they will, uh, where in Italy the Prime Minister has said no sporting events at least until June 14th. They had been, uh, the Serie A had been uh, targeting a June 13th date uh there is injury time just a little over three minutes we we got all that info in jeff uh, to close out the show here our, our first edition of a kick in the grass yeah it's been a lot of fun and we managed to get it as you said he managed to get it all in in three minutes of injury time the beauty thing about injury time is you know we can go four if we want right <laughs> it depends on it, it it depends on the referee how, how long the referee wants us to go hey it's uh we've we've gone into fergie time it's fine it's it's uh <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I told you we're going to use all the cliches and that that we we, we possibly can uh, that we've that we've used uh, through many many years watching the game. Jeff, this has been a lot of fun. We'll be back next Monday for you to listen to us uh, on iTunes, on Spotify. We'll be available with whatever podcatcher you use. Subscribe so you never miss a sh- uh, miss a show. Leave us a rating as well uh, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far. And uh, we're also on the Sportsnet Radio Network each and every Monday. Uh, until next week, enjoy the Bundesliga on Sportsnet. For Jeff Blair, I'm Dan Riccio.
This is a kick in the grass on the Sportsnet Radio Network.